He's worthy of all of our praise. If you would stand for the reading of the Word this morning, turn in your Bibles or your, in your phones, your apps, your iPads, on the screen, whatever works for you, to the book of Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 31 and 32. I'll preach fast today if you'll listen fast. Amen. Praise God. I, I, I was telling uh, some of the guys before service, I said, I'm going to try to get you out because uh, I know there's a ball game on. And one said, oh, they don't play to 325. Take your time today. I, I mean it. I mean it when I say that today, preacher. And uh, so we don't know how long this will go today. But <laughs> here we go. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Would you stretch forth your hands and ask God to touch this preacher today? Father... I need your help today, an anointing that comes from another world that makes preaching easy and effective. Give us ears to hear. Father, I pray that someone maybe who is straying from you would, uh, would come back to you, or for that person who has never had a relationship with you, that today would be the day that they would follow Christ and that he would gloriously save them. And for this, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, shake one or two more hands as you're being seated and uh, just tell your neighbor, just buckle up and hang on today. Praise God. Thank you for being seated. I read an article earlier uh, in the week about the present day church and they suggest this, that while everybody is coming to church and while you're being admonished to touch your neighbor or shake your neighbor's hand or tell them something, that really uh, you don't care too much about your neighbor at all. We're living in a day where the theology seems to be, I've come to church to get mine, you better get yours the best way you can. That's kind of the language of the society that we're living in. To the extent that we have lost the accountability and the responsibility of communal concern. We have lost what is the responsibility to be my brother and my sister's keeper. Now, I, I get mine, and you better get yours. You better do your best, do whatever you have to do to get yours, but that's just the way it is. But when I read this text and understand the very nature of how God did everything, God, from the very beginning of creation, suggested to us that everything is interconnected and related. God does things by interrelationship, by connectedness. God does everything by community. And Jesus, once again, in this passage, gives us another example of the responsibility of community. Now, I know from the initial reading of this, you, you could think that Jesus is just trying to give Peter another warning that the devil is coming after him. And if you were doing only a cursory reading of the story, you might walk away thinking that Jesus was kind of giving a forewarning to Peter and a preview to Peter that the devil wants to take him out. 
But when you begin to put it in context, uh, put the text in the context of the text, you will discover that Jesus is up to something much greater than that. In the context of the text, they are sitting around what we call the Lord's table. They have been up in the upper room at the Lord's Supper. This supper represents community. This supper represents communion. This supper that represents oneness. And if you were there and if you were to read the verses that are prior to this one that I read you, uh, they're there and they're in a discussion of who's got next. Uh, Read it when you get a chance. They know that Jesus is on his way out. They know that Jesus is about to take leave of them. And they are wondering among themselves who's going to be the number one dog. Who's going to be the number one stunner? Who's going to be top man? Who's going to be the PIC, the person in charge? After all, Jesus has not put in a succession plan. Jesus has not hired an associate pastor. He has not hired an apprentice. Nobody knows who's got next. And as often happens that uh, with some people and in some circles, that whenever your priority is power, you always cancel out community. Let me rewind and press play. Whenever your priority is power, that will always cancel community. Whenever your priority is who's in charge, you will always find yourself diluting your responsibility for your assignment. And so Jesus sees uh, what, what they're doing, and, and he forewarns them uh, about not being like the Pharisees, not being like the Gentiles who lord authority over them. But they're busy, and they're trying to figure out who's going to be uh, the one in power. And, and, and they're so busy with this that they don't even hear what Jesus is saying. Now, don't miss it. They're sitting around the table. That represents community. They're sitting around a table that represents communion. They're sitting around a table that represents unity. They're sitting around a table that represents oneness. But their argument has the potential to cancel their community. So Jesus takes this opportunity to put out a warning about what they are really doing around that table. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan is after you to sift you as wheat But I have prayed for you. Now, if you were to read this in the original Greek text, you would notice that when Jesus uses the word you, he uses two different Greek words. He uses a singular word and he uses a plural word. So here's what Jesus is really saying. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for y'all. I'm from the south. Satan has asked for y'all to sift y'all as wheat. He says Satan has asked for y'all to sift y'all as wheat. But I have prayed for you. Rewind, press play. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift Y'all as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Hmm. Do I need to rewind and press play one more time? I really want you to get that. 
Now, I know I'm in a smart congregation, so the question has to be asked. If Satan is after everybody, why does Jesus only pray for one somebody? Because he's saying Satan has desired to sift y'all. But Peter, I have prayed for you. That's singular there. He's after y'all. I've prayed only for you. So why, if Jesus knows this, why does he pray for only one somebody? If Satan is after y'all, then why is Jesus only praying for you? And the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart. And he said the reason why he's praying for him, because he is named the rock. He's the one that is strong. He is the one who is powerful. He's the one who makes sense more than anybody else. And Jesus says, Simon, I'm praying for you because when the devil comes after y'all, you'll be the first one to get up. And after you get up, I need you to go back and get everybody else who couldn't get up as quickly as you did. Stay with me. He says, Simon, you've got to keep it together because if the devil gets you, he gets y'all. What does that have to do with anything? I need you to get yourself together because y'all've got too much to gain to lose. Because if the devil gets you, Peter, he messes up everything for y'all. And that's my Sunday morning word to some husband today. That's my Sunday morning word to some father today. That's my Sunday morning word to some leader. That the devil is after everybody that is under your accountability. But Jesus is holding you responsible to get yourself together and cover everybody else. Oh, I feel like preaching a little bit this morning. I speak this word not only to men, but also to women who have responsibilities. There are women who are leaders. Somebody ought to say, thank God for the women. There are women who are leaders. There are women who are employers. There are women who are entrepreneurs, women who are raising children, single moms. And you need to know today, if there is anybody in the purview of your influence, the devil tries to take you out so he can take all y'all out. Because if he gets you, he's going to get y'all. I dare you to look at somebody and declare, I've got too much to gain to lose. I cannot let the devil have my family. I cannot let the devil have my business. I cannot let the devil have my ministry. I cannot let the devil have my church. I cannot let him have my friendships. And I've got to get myself together so that he can't take down all of us. Somebody say amen. Very quickly, I want to show you three things. I've got 19 minutes and 15 seconds. Let me show you three things in the text that will help you, Simon and Simone. Man and woman, amen. That was cute. It was supposed to be cute, y'all. Amen. Some of you got it. The rest of you, right over your head, amen. This will help you get yourself together when the devil comes after Y'all, point number one, don't allow your old person to mess up your new purpose. Oh, I'm going to preach right about now. Some of y'all going to shut down on me anyway, but hold, hold up just a minute. 
I don't care how long you've been saved, how many scripture you know. Uh, you can know Hebrew. You can know Greek. You can have great systematic theology, uh, theology. You could have been in the church for four generations. But I've come by to declare to you today that, that, that there's still an old you. Yeah, I knew y'all shut down on me when I said that because you're holified. Amen. You can read the Bible. You can sing Onward Christian Soldiers. You can sing every hymn in the hymnal, every praise and worship song ever written. But I've still come by to tell you there's an old you. Amen. And here is the struggle we have. When I get saved, my old you does not disappear. My old you is simply brought under subjection to my new you. But the challenge is my old you knows tricks my new you doesn't know. There's some stuff in all of us uh, that we really shouldn't like. That's the nature of temptation. Temptation suggests that there is something put in front of you that gives you the option to say yes when you really should say no. And, and, and the thing about the devil is he customizes every temptation for every person. So, so he doesn't just put it out in front of you, uh, just anything. He puts stuff out in front of you that he knows will make you weak. That's why you need to be careful uh, about what you say about other people's situations. Situation because the only reason why you're not in that same situation is because that's not your weakness. Somebody help me while I preach today. Jesus does something that contradicts his own commandments. Watch this. He says, Simon, Simon. Here's the problem. You remember when Jesus took that survey and he said in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And uh, they said, well, some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, that's cool. But uh, who do you say that I am? And Peter, he, he, Simon, he stood right up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah or Simon, the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And one version says, you shall no longer be called Simon. You shall be called Petros. Wait, what, what do you got a problem with, Pastor? I've got a problem because in this story, he calls him the very name he said not to call him by. You are no longer Simon, but you are Petros. You are the rock. You are Peter. I don't know if Jesus has forgotten, had some kind of amnesia going on, but he's the one who said, don't call him Simon. From this time forward, you're going to be known as Peter, the rock. And then Jesus turns right around in this story and calls him by the very name he said, don't call him by. Read it. I'm, I'm in the book. I said, Jesus, I need help because I'm preaching at Worship Center Sunday and they're a smart bunch of people, amen. Y'all are some of the smartest people on the planet, so I need to know, why would you call him by the name you said not to call him by? And you said call him Peter. Peter means rock. Peter is the one who can hear divine revelation. Peter is the one who represents the person who has spiritual insight, spiritual strength. And Jesus says, that's the point. I don't need to talk to Peter. I need to talk to Simon because I need Peter to know that I don't care how strong he is, there's still a little Simon left on the inside of him. Come on, somebody. Now you sit there and you try to look all cute today if you want to, and this don't really apply to me, preacher. I'll call you out on it, honey. There is some Simon left in all of us. Let somebody cut you off in traffic. 
Let somebody say something about your kid or your grandkid. I guarantee you Simon will rise up. Come on, somebody. You ought to help me while I preach. You know I'm preaching you the truth. Amen. If someone catches you on the wrong day at the wrong time and says the wrong thing, there's some Simon left in you. Oh, I'm on it today. You're looking holy, five. Let me preach. See, see, I know that the devil has a way of pushing your Simonic buttons. Amen. Preach, Bishop. He has a way of trying to get under your Simonic skin. But here is the good news of the text. Jesus is praying for the Simon in you already. Hey, y'all don't know when to shout around here, do you? Do you know why that should have blessed everybody in here? Because people put your Simon on Facebook. And people put your Simon out on Instagram. And people put your Simon out on Twitter to Twitter or whatever it's called. And people put your Simon out on the blogs. But you ought to be glad that you serve a Savior who knows that you're going to mess up. And he doesn't qualify you when you mess up. He does not kick you out when you mess up. He doesn't throw you out of the kingdom whenever you mess up. But he prays for you through the weak moments of your journey. Would to God somebody would clap your hands and bless the Lord in here today and somebody ought to rejoice that the only reason why I didn't cuss them out was because Jesus was praying for me. The only reason why I didn't cut them was because Jesus was praying for me. He was praying for me. Come on, somebody. So don't let the old person mess up the new purpose that God has for you. Simon, Simone, you need to be careful out there. Number two, there are moments when God will give divine permission for satanic purposes. Now, some of y'all didn't like that I just said that. So I think I'll say it again. There are moments when God will give divine permission for satanic purposes. Let me give it to you from the Bible. Read it when you get home. Job chapter 1. Beginning in verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Uh, Let me pull your car over for a moment, but I promise to keep the motor running. Amen. He suggests that whenever you come together for a holy moment, you can't come together for a holy moment without satanic presence. He's going to do everything he can to try to disregard that moment for you. You know how the story goes. God says, Satan, where have you been? Satan says, I've been to and fro seeking whom I may devour. God said, oh, you don't know anybody? Satan says, I don't have anybody. God said, have you ever considered my servant Job? He's faithful. He's committed. He has integrity. Satan says, yeah, but you've got to hedge around him. Those very words ought to give you something to shout about right there. It just went right over you. Yeah, but you've got to hedge around him. The very words that Satan uses suggest something that we ought to celebrate. The only way Satan would know there's a hedge is if he's been trying to get to Job, but he can't get to him. Better than butter beans, folks. We spend so much time whining about what the devil does to us when we ought to be celebrating the times he came after us and you never found out about it because there was a hedge about you. 
God was covering you. God was protecting you. Can I get a good amen from somebody? So God says, I'm putting him on the bedding table right now. Have your way with a few restrictions. And God gave the devil permission to mess with Job. And again, you see it in the text. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked. Now, he can't just show up. He can't just bully his way in. The only way he can show up is if he gets a permission slip. And if God gave him a permission slip, it's because I've already equipped. God says, if I give him a permission slip, it's because I've already equipped you with everything that you need to gain the victory. Amen. I know some of y'all don't like this. You think you're going to tiptoe your way through the tulips all the way to glory. I've come, come by to tell you that sometimes life is hard and sometimes the devil fights really strong. Amen. There isn't one struggle, though, in your life that God hasn't already gotten you ready for. So anything that shows up in your life, you need to face it knowing that God had to give the devil a permission slip and God gave me the power to get the victory. Oh, somebody clap your hands under God this place. Now, some of y'all are scratching your head. I'm not here today to debate a theodicy, you know, the vindication of divine goodness and the view of the existence of evil, like, well, why do bad things happen to good people? I'm not here to debate the theodicy with you today. I don't know why God allows certain things to happen in the world. I don't know why he allows this one to, to be attacked and this one to be attacked. I'm not deep enough to give you that answer, but I do know why murder and gangs and molestation and child pornography and oppression and injustice and racism and sexism and, and all of these things, I don't know why they happen, but I do have the answer to that. I do know this. The devil always has to play on the playground of God's sovereignty. And no matter what the devil does, God will only let him go so far. And instead of us always trying to answer why God is letting something happen, why don't we just learn to rest in the reality that no matter what happens, God will see me through it because he has given me enough faith to handle anything that comes my way. Can I prove it to you from the text? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for y'all to sift y'all as wheat, but I've already prayed that your faith, singular, would not fail. Rewind, press play. Simon, what I'm praying for is the faith that I've taught you don't fail when the battle comes. My God, I just felt a streak of his glory run up and down my spine. Simon, the devil is going to try so hard to make you forget what you already know. So my prayer is when it gets rough and when it gets tough, that your faith will stand and you'll remember what you already know. That's why coming to church is important. That's why gathering with believers is important. That's why small groups is important. That's why coming to Wednesday is important because your faith is getting strengthened every time you come to. That's why you need to read your Bible every day. That's why you need to pray every day. 
every day. Your faith is being strengthened so when the devil comes your way, listen, listen, listen. The devil is not after your money. He don't need it. He ain't after your family. He don't want them. He's not after your job. No. Let me tell you what the devil's after. He's after your faith because if he can get your faith to fail, he'll get your worship. And if he gets your worship, he'll get you. Your prayer every day ought not be give me a new house, give me a new car, give me more money in the bank. No, sir. Your prayer every day ought to be give me. Listen, let, let, hold, hold on just a second. Your prayer doesn't need to even be give me a new boo or give me a new bay. Your prayer ought to be God, let my faith stay strong. When the battle starts raging, let faith rise up on the inside of me. When the devil is nipping at my heels, let my faith stand up. Amen. Somebody give God a good praise in here. I feel like preaching today. Musicians, come. I'm not quite ready for you to slow me down yet, but but I need you to get ready. The words faith not fail, that your faith not fail, it's a Greek word there called eklipto. Eklipto. Eclipto is where we get our English word eclipse. Do you know what an eclipse is? An eclipse is when the moon shows up and blocks the sun. It doesn't erase the sun. It doesn't push out the sun. It just gets in front of the sun so you don't get the effects of the sun. I'm about to preach right now. Y'all, come in here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Jesus said that when I pray for you, it ain't nothing but an eclipse. My power and my grace is going to block the effects and the intents of the devil. Amen. Great God, this is good. Do you know how you survived some of the stuff that you survived? God blocked it. Do you know how you made it through that sickness? God blocked death from coming your way at that particular moment. Do you know how you made it through some of your struggles? God blocked it. Do you know why some of you are not in divorce court today? It's because God blocked it. Do you know how you didn't lose your mind in the midst of that unemployment? God blocked it. I would to God that somebody would shout with me because you know that when Jesus prayed for you, he brought an eclipse that blocked the devil's intentions. He eclipsed it. Don't let your old person mess up your new purpose. Remember that God will give divine permission sometimes for demonic design. Here's the last one, and I'm done. God provides the answers before Satan ever presents the problem. I could just quit right there. God provides the answer before Satan ever presents the problem. One word. Simon. Simon. Satan has asked for y'all that he might sift y'all as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith not fail. And here it is. And when. Not if. Not a hope, but when you return. He said, the devil is coming to get you, but I need you to know before he ever shows up 
that I've already told you that you're going to bounce back. Rewind, press play. I've already told you before he ever comes that you're going to bounce back. Isn't that good news? Scholars suggest that what, what Jesus is talking to him about is when he goes and denies the Lord three times. That hasn't happened yet. So what the devil wants to do is still in the future. And Jesus prophesies the deliverance in the present tense before the future ever shows up. I just helped somebody there. Before your problem ever shows up, Jesus has already said, when you return. Before your problem ever comes to your life, Jesus has said, when you return. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I want somebody to shout unto God over a problem that hasn't even shown up yet. Amen. Just shout unto God over a problem that hasn't shown up yet. Because he's already told you you're going to return. Amen. He's already given you the answer. Shout like you know you're coming out. Shout like you know you've already got the victory. Would to God that somebody would shout because you know the devil can't defeat you. Turn around and high five somebody and tell them that you're coming out. When you get your family back. When you get your finance back. When you open up that business. When you get healed. When you get your joy back. Shout because Jesus has already declared that what is coming cannot defeat you. And once you go through it, you're coming back to get and to strengthen your brothers. Amen. Which means you ain't qualified to get nobody until you've been through some stuff. Hey, hey, hey. I said you're not qualified to go get nobody until you've come out of some stuff. You ain't qualified to minister because you went to school. You ain't qualified to minister because you know some Greek, little Hebrew. You're not qualified to minister because you think you're educated, got a PhD. But when you go through some stuff and the Lord brings you out of some stuff, that's when you're qualified to help somebody. Is there anybody in here today who knows that you're qualified because he's brought you out of some stuff? Amen. Stand all over this building. I'm done. 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 Here, here's what you need to know. Here's your takeaway today. Here's your takeaway today. That you need to be strong. He desires to sift y'all, but he's praying for you. Amen. He wants to get every member of your family, but he's praying for you, Dad. He's praying for you, Mom. Anybody under your influence, he's coming after them. He wants to sift them as wheat. But he's already prayed for you. He's already prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Why won't it fail? Because he's eclipsed it. He's eclipsed it. Hallelujah. And when you return, go strengthen your brother. Strengthen your brother. I know this is going to sound carnal. Forgive me if it does. No, it does. Not if, it does. I don't want diet advice from a fat person. You don't need me giving you diet advice. If I'm going to go on a diet, I want to talk to somebody who used to be this size and now they're 125 pounds. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Do you, do you, are you here? Are you here? You see, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. I'm just saying what makes you qualified to help somebody is the fact that you've been through some stuff 
and you've returned and now you can strengthen your brother you can strengthen your sister can you give him praise one more time in this house come on shout like you mean it father in the name of jesus i love you and i praise you today father i would right now to you today god would that your spirit would allow people here just to take off the masks and the facades and say yeah i'm really being attacked right now i'm being attacked i'm being attacked i want them to know today god that that attack is for a sifting and the attack is not directly just toward them but it's to destroy everything that is in line under them in succession under them but you have prayed for them you have prayed for them father it's a good thing to know that jesus has already prayed for us father i bless your name have your way in the next few moments is my prayer